Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, Texas. We're very glad that you are here. We're a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. And we come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And so if you have comments where you're watching this, then please do allow the divine in you to greet the divine in everyone else. And if you're not from Austin or its environs, please let us know where you're watching from. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. From songwriter and poet Leonard Cohen's anthem, you can add up the parts but you won't have the sum. You can strike up the march. There is no drum. Every heart, every heart to love will come. But like a refugee, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Every now and then, you have to remind yourself what you're doing here. And I know many of you have sat in different places and thought to yourself, what am I doing here? And when that happens here at the church, all we have to do is look on the wall where our mission sits and it lets us know what we're doing here. Let us say it together. Together we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. And every time we say our mission, we have a moment for beloved community. And this moment for beloved community is about a woman, because this is Women's History Month. Today I want to talk to you about a journalist and activist and writer named Jovita Idar. She was born in Laredo, Texas in 1885. Her father was a civil rights advocate and a newspaper editor. And so from an early age, Idar was exposed to journalism and political activism. She attended a Methodist school in Texas called the Holding Institute, where she earned a teaching certificate in 1903. She began teaching, but she began realizing that the segregation and the lack of funding for the schools in which she was allowed to teach were so terrible that she needed to go do something else. She and her family organized the first Mexican Congress to unify Mexicans across the border to fight injustice. After the Congress, Idar wrote an article for her parents' newspaper called La Cronica, supporting women's suffrage and encouraging women to vote. Later on, Idar started her own newspaper and published a piece 
critical of President Woodrow Wilson for taking troops down to the border to interfere in the Mexican Revolution. They didn't like that, so the Texas Rangers came to take her newspaper apart. She stood there, I think her brother was there too, and wouldn't let the Rangers come in to destroy the presses. She was brave. They came back a couple of nights later and destroyed the presses anyway. But she went on to be a nurse in the war. She went on to be an advocate for the rights of women. And she, she wrote in Methodist Christian publications, um, didn't pass away until 1946. So she was quite a force. And I think if you would like to, you could learn more about her. morning. Today, as we honor our last year of virtual church, I'm thinking about that Sunday exactly a year ago when we had our very first Sunday morning religious education classes on Zoom. We started that first Sunday and we haven't stopped. We have them every single week from 10 to 1045, right before the service for pre-K through 12th grade. And it's been such a lovely experience, such a lovely experiment in community. We didn't know what we were doing at first. We tried to sing together, all together, and it was a mess, and we were all over the place. We didn't know how to share screens. We didn't know how to send people to breakout rooms quickly. But we knew how to light a chalice together. We knew how to affirm our covenant. And we knew how to come together as a community. And that's what we've continued doing every single week. And I'm so grateful for this community. Today we're going to read a story about our larger community and what happened a year ago and what it was like for some of us. And one thing I think is really special about this book is that the illustrator used pictures of real people during this time as her inspiration for the illustration. So everyone you see on this page was a real person going through this at that time. I hope you enjoy it. Outside, Inside by Lewin Pham. Something strange happened on an unremarkable day just before the season changed. Everybody who was outside went inside. Everyone, everywhere, all over the world. Everyone just went inside, shut their doors, and waited. Almost everyone. Some people needed to be where they needed to be. Outside, the sky was quiet, but the wind still blew and birds kept singing. Raccoons came out and squirrels played in the streets, but the cars stayed away. The world felt a little different. Inside, we baked and cooked made music and watched TV. We read and played games. Some of us worked a little. Some of us worked a lot. And some of us couldn't work at all. We all felt a little different. Outside, there were fences, both real and pretend. Swings sat still and slides were lonely. Bells didn't ring and halls were empty. We had birthdays without parties shared words without sounds, and reached each other without touching. 
The world was changing a tiny bit outside. Inside, we waited and we worried. We laughed and we cried and we tried to breathe. We made things together and did things alone. We hoped and prayed and wished. We were all changing a tiny bit inside. Outside, the world kept growing. Inside, we kept growing too. So why did we all go inside? Well, there were lots of reasons, but mostly because everyone knew it was the right thing to do. On the outside, we are all different. But on the inside, we are all the same. And we remembered that soon, spring would come. Inside and outside. One of the ways this congregation does justice is that every second Sunday of the month, we have two offerings. The first offering on the second Sunday is put into a second Sunday fund, which is then at the end of the year divided amongst 12 organizations on which the congregation votes. Today's feature organization is being presented by Eric Hepburn. Hi, friends. It's March. Black History Month is over, but the work of building beloved community continues. For example, did you know that Austin is the only major metro area in the United States whose black population is declining despite overall population growth? Did you know that this black flight phenomenon has been in Austin reality for over 20 years? How can we square those realities with the myth that Austin is the most liberal city in Texas? Chaz Moore, founder of the Austin Justice Coalition, recently remarked that Austin is like Atlanta for white people. Personally, I don't want to live in a white Atlanta, and I don't want to raise my black son in a white Atlanta, and I suspect that y'all feel the same. So I'm asking for your support for the Austin Justice Coalition. If you want to know who's doing the work for racial justice in Austin, the answer almost always includes the Austin Justice Coalition. Organizing for Black Lives Matter events, check. Being part of the coalition that got a recent city council resolution acknowledging the role of the city in systemic racism, check. Legislative agenda for criminal justice reform, check. You can find out more about the coalition's work and programs by visiting them online at austinjustice.org. Look, I've been a member of this congregation for a long time, and I have participated in and witnessed a lot of conversations about our diversity problems. And I have to tell you that I think the only path out of that dilemma for us as a congregation is to do the social justice work. Um, internally, I think that means doing the work of healing 
from immersion in a culture of white body supremacy. And I have not found any better resource than the book, My Grandmother's Hands by Resma Manikam for doing that work. Um, externally, we have to engage and collaborate with anti-racist organizations and we have to show up and participate in anti-racist actions we must unfailingly unblinkingly unwaveringly love and support our siblings of color and in this external work I think that there is no ally more critical than the Austin Justice Coalition. And so I am inviting you to join me in putting our money where our heart is. And that is in building beloved community here in Austin by giving generously to support the Austin Justice Coalition. Thank you. Our meditative reading comes to us from Reverend Lynn Unger. Reverend Unger is a white UU minister and poet currently serving as the Minister of Lifespan Learning for the Church of the Larger Fellowship, an online UU community. She named this piece Pandemic. What if you thought of it as the Jews consider the Sabbath, the most sacred of times? Cease from travel. Cease from buying and selling. Give up, just for now, on trying to make the world different than it is. Sing. Pray. Touch only those to whom you commit your life. Center down. And when your body has become still, reach out with your heart. Know that we are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. You could hardly deny it now. Know that our lives are in one another's hands. Surely that has come clear. Do not reach out your hands. Reach out your heart. Reach out your words. Reach out all the tendrils of compassion that move invisibly where we cannot touch. Promise this world your love, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, so long as we all shall live. Now is the time in our service when we enter together into an attitude of prayer and meditation. We speak and listen to God as we understand God, or we just listen to our inner wisdom, or we follow our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. I would like for you to join me as I speak to the Divine One about this anniversary of our going inside. 
Holy One of many names. This has been a hard time and a good time. We grieve so much for those we have lost. Too many of us have lost too much. Those of us who have been at home with small children or even older children have been under stresses that the rest of us cannot imagine. Our mental and physical health has gotten more fragile. We've been afraid. And now there's hope, but we are a little bit afraid to hope. We ask to be centered in the heart of compassion. We ask to be held in the arms of love. We ask to practice wisdom and clarity so that whatever comes next, we will be able to be there for it and for each other. May it be so. And now as you continue in an attitude of meditation, you are invited to light candles of hope or remembrance, joy or sorrow, or a candle for a vow or a determination.
we can't turn on the TV in the last few days without seeing recaps of this year. Everybody had to kind of go inside at the same time, except for people who were on the front lines, people who were necessary, which sometimes felt uh, like a synonym for disposable to them. It's so amazing for everyone on the globe to be experiencing the same event at the same time. I can't think of another time that's happened in my memory. Nobody has been able to compartmentalize it. You know, during the AIDS epidemic in the 80s, people compartmentalized and said, oh, that's just happening to gay people. This one has happened to all of us all at the same time all over the world. And it's never been more clear that I am not free or safe until you are free and safe. You know what I mean? So it makes all kinds of sense that as we get everyone vaccinated here, we would begin giving away doses to everyone around in the world because until everyone is vaccinated that can choose to be um, we are not as safe as we could be. It's rare that something makes that crystal clear. So many of us have been inside. Many of us have been inside with small children. Many of us have been inside with older children. And all of us uh, have had a level of stress far above what we normally have. And I don't think we even know how much stress we have because I hear reports from people who are fully vaccinated that they are feeling a release that they never even knew that they were holding inside. They never knew how much fear, how much sorrow, how much worry, how much anger that they were holding inside until finally they feel a little bit safe. And then they can go, oh my goodness, that was horrible. But now we have a little, around the corner, we can peek and see some hope. Maybe the children can go back to school. Maybe small groups of us can start gathering again. We never realized uh, how much it gave us life to be around other people, whether it wore us out or not. Just being around other people, just being able to put your hand on someone's arm or hear their breath disturb the ear disturb the air in your ear just the physical interactions we had with people listening to each other sing sitting down and and playing instruments with each other being in the choir who knew how life-giving that was and we had an inkling but we didn't we know now and we are craving that to come back and we are frustrated with people who are behaving in ways that might delay that. Some among us who struggled with depression started struggling even more. And some of us among us who have not had to struggle with depression found themselves uh, introduced to it. What's helped us at the church is being with each other seeing one another's faces and once in a while gathering in person which we hope to start doing in a small way again 
outside, masked. Our religious education intern, Sage Hirschfeld, and Kelly Stokes, our DRE, had this idea, director of religious education, had this idea that it might be a good thing to mark this anniversary and to let everybody know that the life of this church has continued. Even though the building has been almost frozen in time, the church has been outside the walls of the building, still active, still together. Sage put together a video. Watch this. I know you are watching that, laughing and crying. I know I did. I want to close with something that a friend of mine on Facebook named C.B. Beale wrote. C.B. ministers to a lot of us on Facebook. They are very faithful and put something that we can hang on to every morning and every night. And this is what they wrote the other day. This morning I would like you to stop what you're doing for one minute and look outside and find the birds. Watch them flying, darting, and dipping. Listen to their song. Throw your window wide or move out onto the porch or deck or steps so you can hear and feel the air on your face as you watch them. Know that you deserve that future. And it is coming. The time is coming when we will sit together like birds huddled on a wire, shoulder to shoulder, muttering again about how these conferences are so crowded and whose idea was this anyway. And we will once again be darting and playing and laughing in hotel pools and coffee shops and late night board games and one another's houses and overcrowded rooms. We will once again engage in all manner of late night activities with other people. We will once again join friends at the seashore or in the mountains, working with of others to run a rummage sale or passing out water at a road race. Watch the birds, hear them, see them, imagine them. Know you deserve and will get a future that is more free in all the ways. It's coming. Another of my colleagues who ran track said in a 400-yard race, or meter, yeah, I'm sure it's meters. Anyway, four times around the track, race. The first time around the track is just totally amazing because you're all in your adrenaline and you're running your race and you're so happy. And the second one is just like, I'm going to see where I am compared to the other people. I'm going to keep going. And the fourth time around, I'm skipping the third time for right now. The fourth time around is, is adrenaline again, because you're like, I, I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm almost there. I see the finish line. But what she said is we're, we're on the third time around the track right now. We're in the third quarter of a four-quarter race. And man, it's the hardest. We're not at the finish line yet. But we will be. We will be. There's a report from the reopening team in your Friday afternoon email. And they invite your comments. We'll be together again.
now an offering will be taken and gratefully received. Our second offering of the day, which is the offering that sustains and strengthens the mission of this congregation, which is sacred to us. If you are just watching us from far away, please do consider donating. If you're watching us because your own congregation to which you belong is struggling right now, um, please donate to them so they'll be strong on the other side of this for you as well. And we thank you. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Be like a bird who, halting in her flight on a branch too slight, feels it give way beneath her, yet sings, sings, knowing she has wings, yet sings, sings, knowing she has wings. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.